week two of a series called Love God and Love People, where you can probably guess we're going to be talking about loving God and loving people. And last week, we, we started with a look at the instruction that comes from and, and why it's actually called the greatest commandment. We also took a look at the specific verses where Jesus gave the, that instruction, but also he offered us a new commandment. And that is where we're going to pick up today with the example of Christ as seen in that new commandment. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I want to take a bit of a sidetrack for a second, and I want to focus on that word disciple. What is a disciple? How is a disciple different than being a member of a church? You see, earlier this week, I was out in Portland at a, at a North American Division event, and that was one of the things we talked about. What is the difference between a member and a disciple? And we were working on a, a definition for the word disciple, and this is what we came up with. Someone who loves and follows Jesus Christ, lives by his teachings, and leads others to him. Think about that. That's a challenging definition. Are you a member or are you a disciple? And if we're honest, probably the, the hardest part of that definition that I just gave was the last clause. Leads others to him. See, a member comes, and, and a member may be somebody who loves and follows Jesus. They may live by his teachings, but a member will not lead others to Jesus. Only disciples do that. And when we think about that verse, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. He doesn't say that they will know that you are my members. You see, church... This church, Adventist church, probably all churches, we are really good at creating members. We're not all that great at creating disciples. That is a challenge for all of us. It's a challenge for me personally. How can we be better at being disciples? How can we lead others to Jesus? See, Jesus' command and the example that he set for us was to love one another as he loved us. And Jesus gave us numerous examples to look at, to study, to even emulate while he ministered here on the earth. And when I think about the example of Christ, the example that he set, there are two specific words that, that come to my mind. Intentional and impartial. Jesus loved others intentionally. He loved others impartially throughout his entire ministry. And today we're going to look at a couple specific stories from Jesus's intentional and impartial love and care for others. You see, it's easy to love people we like. It's easy to love people who are like us, 
people who share our interests and our desires. But it is exponentially more difficult to love people who we are different from, who we disagree with, who have differing interests and differing desires. How many of you watched the Super Bowl this past Sunday? If I'm honest, I did not. I was flying to Portland on Sunday, and the time difference caught up with me, and I, I took a nap when I got to Portland, and I woke up and saw that the game was over. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't really care too much about the game, but, but one of the things that most people watch for, some people watch for the game, but a lot of people watch for the commercials. There was one commercial this year that created a bit of a stir. He Gets Us has been running commercials, and this one kind of ruffled some feathers. And I say this one because here it is. Maybe I'm foolish, maybe I'm blind. And I can see through this and see what's behind Got no way to prove it, so maybe I'm lying Take a look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see it clearer, or are you deceived? In what you believe? Cause I'm only human with ourselves there are people we hate now you may say well I don't hate anyone I just strongly dislike them <laughs> same thing Jesus loved them and that is what we're called to do we're called to love our enemies and most of us understand this concept most of us generally surround ourselves with the people who are easy to love. After all, life is difficult enough. Who wants to add difficult relationships to the mix? You know, the problem for us is as we follow Jesus, is that the Jesus that set that example? Is that the example he set for us to surround ourselves with people who are easy to love? He surrounded himself with the people who were hard to love. And he advises us to follow him. Whether we like it or not, Jesus wants us to be intentional. He wants us to be impartial about loving others. And we know this because that is what he did. One of the most poignant examples of that is found in the Gospel of John chapter 4. Let me just tell you the paraphrase version of it jesus and his disciples are traveling and they stop in samaria the disciples go into town to get some food and jesus stops at the well and a woman comes up a samaritan woman and jesus asks her can i have something to drink and 
she realizes there's something going on here. She says, wait a minute, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Why are you, you shouldn't be asking me for something to drink. And he tells her, well, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for water. And she says, well, give me some of that water. And Jesus says, well, okay, well, fine. Why don't you go get your husband and bring him on back? And she said, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus then tells her all about her dirty, dark little secrets. I know. You've had five husbands, and the person you're now living with isn't your husband. And she then realizes, wait a minute, this is somebody different. The story of the Samaritan woman. Many aspects of this story are worth highlighting as we consider the example of Jesus. First of all, Jesus was in Samaria which might not sound like a big idea, big deal, but it was. The Jews would walk around Samaria before they walked into Samaria. Kind of like Duke and UNC. They will walk around rather than, I mean, if you walk onto campus, all you're going to do is walk on campus and spit on campus, but you're not actually going to go there willingly. But Jesus went to Samaria. There's great hatred between the Samaritans and the Judeans. In fact, Jews considered the Samaritans religious half-breeds, heretics. When, and when the woman says to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? You can see why she was surprised that Jesus would even interact with her. Not to mention she was a woman alone out at a watering well in the middle of the day. The other woman, women from the village would have come out altogether earlier in the day. So this, this woman clearly isn't welcome in their group. She's an outcast. She's a Samaritan. And as a woman, it would actually be inappropriate for Jesus to even engage her alone at the well like he did. And that's why when the disciples finally come back, it says that they were surprised to find Jesus talking with a woman. See, this is the impartial aspect of Jesus' love. He shows us time and time again through the Gospels that he is more than willing to cross cultural lines for the sake of the Gospel. Mark chapter 2 says, On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus makes it clear in both word and in deed that he is in pursuit of the sinner. He's in pursuit of the outcast, the sick, the lame, the blind, the hungry, anyone else who might need to hear the good news of redemption and forgiveness. He's impartial in the sense that if you need a Savior, doesn't matter who you are, Jesus is ready. And as we're about to see, he's intentional with his time, all of the time. See, in John chapter 4, we see Jesus interact directly with the Samaritan woman's sin. Likely, the reason she was an outcast to begin with 
was because of those five marriages and current living situation, both of which Jesus supernaturally identifies. Now, he doesn't dance around the issue. He doesn't ignore her sin. But he also doesn't rub her nose in it or shame her because of it. Jesus reveals who he really is to her. He shares with this Samaritan woman that he is, in fact, the promised Messiah. He invites her in when everyone else was shutting her out. The exclamation point to the story is that she runs back to town and tells everyone about Jesus. She becomes the herald of good news. Her social credit rises, and Jesus' example of impartiality and intentionality shines bright for everyone to see. In fact, this story reminds me of another example found in Luke chapter 19. Let me actually read the whole thing to you this time. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king, and then he returned. So he then, ten of his servants, and gave them ten minas. Put this to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him. We don't want this man to be our king. He, he was made king however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good and faithful servant. His master replied, Because you have been trustworthy in a small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, you take charge of five cities. See, I want to focus, though, on Zacchaeus. 
just like the woman from our last story. Zacchaeus was an outcast. It wouldn't be far-fetched to say that as a tax collector, the chief tax collector, he would have been hated by many of his fellow Jews. See, this is the type of person that we constantly see Jesus interacting with, dining with, and inviting to join him through discipleship. So when Jesus calls out to Zacchaeus and invites himself over to stay at Zacchaeus's house, we, we aren't too surprised at the interaction, even though it would have been shocking to those standing around. I mean, how could Jesus talk to someone like Zacchaeus, let alone go and stay at his house? See, this kind of interaction was completely unfathomable to many of the religious elites of Jesus' day. The challenge for us as we read along is to consider the places and the spaces in our lives where we've become judgmental, where we have become divisive. Because the truth is, love breaks down our defenses. At least, it should. When someone is intentional, when someone is impartial with us, we should respond in kind. I don't know if you can, if you're maybe picturing that person in your mind who's been intentional and impartial with you during your lifetime. For me, that person is Lucille Townsend, Amy's grandmother. No matter what I did, no matter the mistakes I made, she was always there, always willing to love me despite my many flaws. She loved me intentionally. She loved me impartially. And that impacted me deeply as a new Christian. That is why, partially why I, who I am today. Those lasting effects help me to not judge others, at least not most of the time. You see, in the story of Zacchaeus, we get a first-hand look at how powerful the love and the kindness of Jesus is in our lives. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus restores Zacchaeus as he seeks to be redeemed, to be forgiven. In fact, Zacchaeus was lost. He was broken. He was an outcast. He had no real friends. And Jesus looked past all of that and loved him anyway. Right where he was. In the middle of that road, up in a tree, no matter what other people thought of him, Jesus loved him anyway. What an incredible example to try and follow. I read an article that, that asked this question, what is the significance of the woman at the well? And I think their answer is important as we start to wrap up today. It shows Jesus' love for the world. The fact that the woman at the well was of such low standing, gender, race, marital status, yet they talked so directly, almost as equal conversational partners. 
shows Jesus' heart for all people, not just some. So we see a similar heart when Jesus interacts with Zacchaeus. And let's not forget all the other stories throughout the Gospels where Jesus shows us over and over again how powerful it is to love others impartially and intentionally. The question that we must ask ourselves today is a simple one. Am I loving others like Jesus did? It's a simple question, but if we're honest with ourselves, the answer might be a little painful. Am I loving others like Jesus did? See, it's easy to love people we like, people who are like us, people who share our interests and our, and our desires. It's exponentially more difficult to love people who are different from us, who we disagree with, people who have differing interests and differing desires. Do you have difficult people in your life? Do you regularly interact with those with whom the world would call an outcast? Are you interested in the lives of those who are broken, who are hurting, and who are lost? Truth be told, all of us could identify areas where we need to be more, where we need to love more like Jesus. So instead of feeling guilty, instead of feeling ashamed today about how we could and we should do better, I hope we can set our eyes on him and step out in faith this week. I want to this morning extend an invitation. If you want to stop feeling sorry, guilty, and ashamed, if you want to love more like Jesus, if you want to love one another, you want to pray for one another, if you would, just stand where you're at today. And pray that God would help keep you, would help you be more intentional, be more impartial with your love. And to keep a lookout for those who may feel alone, may feel abandoned. Help us to love more like him. Heavenly Father, as we seek to love others and to be more like you, help us. Help us to move past our indifferences. Help us to move past our biases. Help us to love impartially and intentionally. Help us to love like you did. In Jesus' name, amen.